Well, we've been in a series called Just Show Up. And so I'd like you to stand to your feet as we read our theme verse. We're going to honor the reading of God's Word. I want to say also it's awesome to have our church family joining us around the country and around the world. Today we have places like Las Vegas and Kansas and Latvia and Denver and Texas. Can we welcome all of our church family that's joining us around the country, around the globe? How awesome is that? Let's read our theme verse for our series, Just Show Up. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. Let's read it together. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? What this verse tells us is that people won't get saved if someone doesn't show up. If someone doesn't show up to preach the gospel, they're not going to hear the message and they're not going to get saved. But it also tells us that people won't show up if they're not sent. And so part of our job as Christians is to show up on the soccer field, at work, wherever our sphere of influence is, to be a light in the darkness. But it's also to be people who send, to help make a way for others to hear the message of Jesus. So why don't you close your eyes today? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We ask you to speak this morning. Lord, we are thankful. As we go into Thanksgiving, we are thankful that you showed up for us. You sent Jesus. You were the sender. Jesus was the goer, and he came, and he died on a cross. And today, we are saved and forgiven because Jesus just showed up. So, Lord, as we go into Thanksgiving, we say thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for second chances. Thank you for hope. In Jesus' name. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Someone has to show up, and we've learned that we can show up. We've had two weeks. This will be our last week. The first week we learned we show up with our questions, that we ask questions of people around us, and we can find out that there are needs all around us that we can meet by just loving on people and caring for people. We can show up with our prayers, taking that serve brochure, putting it on your refrigerator, and then praying over the missions things that we're doing throughout the year. You can show up with your story. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today. You can show up with your giving. And by giving, making a commitment to missions over the next year, above your tithe, maybe it's $20 a month, maybe it's $50 a month, maybe it's $5 a month, maybe it's $5,000 for the year. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, you can show up with your giving. Last week, we learned about showing up hungry, right? God, he fills those that are hungry. We showed up willing, we talked about, and we also showed up sharing as we told the story of the little boy with the lunch and how he came and he gave what he had and it changed 20-some thousand people. Today, I want to take one more story and it's the story of the pool of Bethesda. Jesus showed up in Jerusalem at a pool and at this pool, miraculous things happened. There were sick and lame that would lay around the pool, and whenever the water was troubled, the first person into the water was healed. That's what those that came believed. And Jesus found a man that had been lame for 38 years and had never got into the pool and had never gotten healed. And Jesus saw him and he healed him. And he said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And so today I want to take this story and I want to draw a couple principles out and Today, as I share with you, we're going to find some things that are obvious in the passage, and then we're going to learn some things that are a little bit more unobvious, and and then I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts of what God's saying to me through the passage. Is that all right? Everybody say amen. Amen. 
So point number one, if you're taking notes, if we're going to show up, here's the first thing we need to show up. Now, this may seem a little self-serving, but as we talk about it, it'll make sense. You need to just show up to church. You know what I meant now when I said just show up to church, a little self-serving, right? Well, pastor, of course you want us to come to church, but is that really what the Bible's talking about? Yes, I believe it is, because as we read through the story, there's some really interesting things that are there. Let's go to the passage. It's found in John. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to John chapter 5. If you're on an app, you can go there. It says, afterwards, Jesus returned to where? Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate. It was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, if you're reading a different translation, the King James passage has this verse. Other translations do not have this verse. But here's my thought is it's really a moot point because later on, the man who's lame references this happening. So the idea is that when the waters were stirred, in this atmosphere of miracles, someone got healed. When I read this, the bottom line is Jesus, the blind man, or the lame man, they both showed up at the right place at the right time. And I believe that as we read this story, you're going to see that it really is referencing the importance of showing up to church, showing up to gather together to worship. Now, some of you say, where do you get that? Well, first of all, let me just point out that the lame man showed up at the right place at the right time, and the right thing happened. He showed up in a place where people had faith for a miracle. How many think that's a good place to show up? But secondly, the Bible says that Jesus returned to Jerusalem for the holy day. Now, there were three holy days in Israel that every male Jew was required to attend in Jerusalem if they lived within 15 miles. So if you lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem, it was the law that you had to show up to worship. It was the, the, uh, the holy day of, of uh, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And at these events, what would happen is you would show up, you would bring an animal, a lamb, and you would sacrifice that animal in worship, in thanksgiving, or in praise to God. It was to show up at Jerusalem, at the temple, to worship. So Jesus then made it a priority, I'm going to show up to worship. And as we read this story, I think there's something sometimes that we read right by that verse and we don't get how important it is that Jesus made it a priority to show up to church because you and I need to show up to church. Now, let me just throw in one other nugget in here and then we'll move on. But this is really cool and I think it's worth highlighting. And that is it gives us another detail. Here's the other detail. That he showed up on a holy day for worship, but not only that, he went through the sheep gate. Now, why is that important? Well, let me tell you about the sheep gate. The sheep gate was a part of Jerusalem, and when people came to the temple to worship, they would bring their lamb through the sheep gate to be sacrificed. Why are we talking about that? Well, they would sacrifice the lamb to forgive the sins of the people. Isn't it interesting that Jesus showed up to church 
By the way, he's called the Lamb of God who was slain for the foundation of the earth. That he went to church, he went through the sheep gate because he was the Lamb. So that it would be a picture of one day you and I would see the Lamb come and take care of the sins of the people. How many would say amen to that? Isn't that cool? See, I think God leaves little nuggets in Scripture. And if we'll search them out, we'll find truth. And I think it's beautiful that Jesus showed up to church. Why is it important for you and I to show up to church? How do we show up? What does that mean? Well, I, I want to take you to a verse in Hebrews, which is pretty profound. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this. It says, and let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Did you know the Bible says we should think of ways... We should think about how we help people do good, act good, be people of love. How many want to be people of love? How many want to do good? It says, so let's consider how to do it. And then it tells us how we do it. By not giving up going to church. This passage is referring to when the church would gather together. Church gatherings. In those days, most of it was in homes. So he says, listen, if you want to consider a way to release love and good deeds and great things, show up to church. Don't give up on it. How many know that it's easy to get out of the habit of going to church? All the people that believe that can't raise their hand today. <laughs> they didn't make it. But you made it. High five. Come on, all of you made it to church today. In fact, here's what the Bible says. Don't give up on going to church as some are in the habit of doing. And then it goes on to even say more. It says, but encourage one another all the more you see the day approaching. What is this verse really saying? Here's what it's saying. The closer you get to the approaching day of the Lord. What is the day of the Lord? That's the day that Jesus is going to come back. The closer you get to the end of the age to the return of Christ, the more tempted you and I, the more easy it is for you and I to get out of the habit of showing up for church. And if we don't show up for church, it's going to limit our ability to stir one another up to love and do good works. Just show up to church. You know why? Because you need it. Because we need it. Because others need it. In fact, in this story, the man showed up at the pool, but he didn't have faith to get healed. You're going to see that later on. When Jesus says, do you want to get well? He says, it's not going to happen. He didn't have faith to get healed. Now, it reminds me of another story of a paralyzed man. And this story, and I'm going to give you kind of my spin on the story. Is that okay? First of all, I believe that the man who was paralyzed in the story where they took him and put him on the roof and dropped him in front of Jesus, I believe that man was just like this paralyzed man. He didn't really have faith to get healed. Some of you say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'll show you at the end. But this is how I think it went down. His friends who were his circle, and we've talked about you need church corporately and you need church in your circle too. You need to be a part of a smaller group of Christians that meet as well, not just on Sunday morning, because in a circle relationship, there are things that happen in circle that can't happen in a row, because we need each other. And so his circle, his church circle said, bro, Jesus is in town, you're paralyzed, and he heals people. No duh, we need to get you to church. But I think that the paralyzed man's thought were, 
well, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think I'm going to get healed. I don't know if I'm even going to get to Jesus. Everybody wants to get to Jesus. Probably not me. And they said, no, we're getting you to church. So they grab him. They put him on a stretcher. They carry him to the house where Jesus is at. And the house is so packed, they can't even get in. And here's what I think went down. He said, like, see, I told you. And they're like, no, you're getting in. We're going to get you to Jesus. So they go up and they tap on people's shoulders like, can you guys let us through? Nobody let them through. So they go, I know it. We're going we're gonna to take him on the roof. We're going to dig a hole in the roof and drop him down. And I, I can just imagine the man on the, the, the mat going, bad idea. <laughs> How? And, and suddenly it all hits him. How are we going to get him in a stretcher on the top of the roof? I mean, it's not like there's stairs. We've got to climb up, get a rope, pull him up. And someone goes, I know, duct tape. Well, they didn't really have duct tape back then. Come on, you get a bunch of men together and duct tape is going to come up in the conversation. <laughs> so now just imagine, he's like, I don't think this is a good idea. Oh, yes, it is. Be quiet. <laughs> and they're duct taping him to the stretcher. And he's all duct taped to the stretcher. And they get the stretcher and they start pulling him up at the side of the house and he's rubbing up against the thing, right? He's like, this is a bad idea. And they get him on the roof. And they say, we're going to tear a hole in the roof. He's like, who's paying for that? I'm like, be quiet, we're going to get you to Jesus. Because if we can just get you to Jesus, that's where church is, by the way. And they, they cut a hole in the roof, they drop him down, and then watch what the scripture says. And when Jesus saw their faith. The point there was that this man had no faith at all to get healed. He didn't believe he was going to get healed. He didn't believe he was going to get to Jesus. But because... They got to church, there were people that believed what they couldn't believe for themselves. Why do you and I need to show up to church? Because maybe you showed up today and you don't believe that your life's going to turn around. You don't believe that you could ever be healed. You don't believe that you're worthy of being a Christian because you make too many mistakes. You don't believe that that, that relationship can be reconciled. You don't believe that you're going to ever get the job because you're older and you don't have the, the, the degree that all the young bucks do. Listen, I want to tell you something. You need to get to church because at church there are people that will believe when you can't believe for yourself. There are people that will say, listen, I know that you don't think things can change, but guess what? He changed me, and if he changed me, he can change you. You and I need to just show up to church because if we show up to church, that's where when the right people get at the right place, the right things happen. Come on, somebody say amen. Just show up to church. Well, I don't need to go to church. I have my devotion time. I listen to Joel Osteen. He's that smiling preacher. It makes me happy. Have your devotion time. Listen to podcasts and leaders and pastors. But show up at church. When two or three gather in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Now, I know that passage is contextually talking about when there's a conflict, but hey, if Jesus can show up in the middle of a conflict, how many think he can show up in the middle of faith, yes. in the middle of worship? It reminds me of someone who came to our church and they had not been a Christian, been involved in gangs, 
family wasn't in church, was invited to higher vision seven or eight years ago. Didn't believe anything could really happen for them, and they showed up, and they showed up, and when they came, guess what? When you come and you don't feel like that you're worthy, when you come and you don't feel like that anything's going to change, guess what? We've already been praying for you. We've already been believing for you. We've already been calling out to God for you. You've showed up in a place filled with people who have a faith and trust in Jesus. And I think when Jesus sees our faith that it just causes great things to happen. And, and suddenly, now our faith doesn't do it. It's him that does it all. But the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God because we must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God always responds. He loves to see faith. He wants to respond to faith. And this person showed up and guess what? Even though they had no faith for it, when the altar call came, they raised their hand and they accepted Jesus and they got saved. And then a few months went by and the next thing you know, because they had faith and they were believing, mom who'd been out of church for 17 years showed up and she got saved. Not long after that, dad showed up to church and he got saved. Not long after that, stepdad showed up and he got saved. Not long after that, brother showed up and he got saved. Not long after that, this is a true story by the way, Sister showed up and she got saved and her kids got saved. And then the other sister just showed up and she got saved. Because listen, when you show up to church where people have come to worship, you are in the right place with the right people and the right things happen. Even if you don't have faith, just show up because God can do something great. Amen. You ready for point number two? Here's point number two. Now, if you're hearing this weird noise on the stage, it's not your imagination. There's a weird noise on the stage. <laughs> so we're going to work on that for next week. Point number two. And this is where we're going to dive a little bit into what I believe God was saying to me. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I like to just share with you what I feel like the Holy Spirit is stirring in my heart. And here's the second point, how we can show up. You ready? Show up, not just to church, but show up with your mat. What do you mean show up with your mat? Well, let's keep reading the story. The Bible says in John 5, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Think about that, 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been Ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, you need to underline that because we're going to go back to that. I can't, sir. There's the thing I told you. He didn't have the faith. He didn't believe it was going to happen. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else gets in there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your what? Pick up your what? Your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Guys, if you'll pull that next slide up. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. To me, it's really interesting because 
Jesus doesn't just say, get up, you're healed. He doesn't even just say, get up, you're healed, go on your way. He says, get up and carry your mat. Now, what is the mat? What is the mat he's talking about? Well, if you look contextually into the passage and you do some research and study out what a a sleeping mat was, basically, I brought one, a modern-day version. How many here have ever used a sleeping bag? Right? This is a sleeping bag. How many of you have ever gone camping and used one of these? This is basically what he was talking about when he said, pick up your mat. One example or definition of a sleeping mat was sheep or goat skin that was filled with cotton, soft cotton, and sewed into something that you would lay and then sleep on. It also could be defined as the outer garment or outer quilt that someone wore. Poorer people who didn't have the ability to buy something or make something like that would take their outer cloak, like taking a big jacket that you were wearing, laying that down, and then sleeping on it. So Jesus said, when you're healed, don't just move forward in your life, but carry your sleeping bag. Take your mat with you. So what I want to do is I want to tell you what I think the mat represents. I can't prove this theologically, but as I look at Scripture, here's some things that we can see in a general sense. You ready? Here's the first thing. What does the mat represent? Why did Jesus say carry your mat? Because your mat is your story. Your mat represents your story. Too many times in life, we we find Christ, and when we get saved, we want to bury our past. We want to hide our past. We don't want anybody to know that we're an alcoholic. We don't want anybody to know that we're hooked on porn. We don't want anybody to know that, that we've been divorced this many times. We don't want anybody to know the bad stuff we've done because now we're a Christian and we do good stuff, so we want to hide our past. But I want to tell you something. What Jesus is saying, listen, part of your greatest testimony is your test. Part of your greatest message is your mess. So don't leave it behind you. Bring it with you so you can tell the story that you were once laying on your back and you couldn't get up, but I came and I healed you and now you've got your story. In fact, let's just make it real. What did Jesus do? He rose from the grave and he could have healed all of his wounds, but instead he left his scars. And he did it on purpose because when he saw Thomas, what did he say? Thomas, come and check out my scars. Maybe what God's saying to you and I is that one of the greatest ways we can show up is to not hide your scars, but to carry your mat. And say, you know what? I was lost. I was broken. I was in pain. I had no purpose. I was broke, busted, and disgusted. But now I am forgiven, and now I am changed. Check out this mat. Look where God has brought me from. Come on, somebody say amen. You know what I think the mat also represents? I think the mat represents comfort. Come on, you lay on a good sleeping bag. Feels nice, doesn't it? Uh, Just, uh. 
I think I might have someone come up and take the offering. I'll let you guys... Uh, comfortable. It's, it's, it's comfortable, actually. Now, if I'd lay in on that, it wouldn't be so comfortable. Some of you say, well, where do you get the comfort thing? Why do you think the, com- the mat represents comfort? Here's why I think. Because Jesus asked a strange question. He walked up to a man who had been lame for 38 years, and he said, would you like to get well? Now, doesn't that seem like a hello McFly moment? Come on, some of you are flashing back. Come on. Like, no duh, do you want to get well? But as I began to think about it and I began to do a little research, here's what I discovered. There is a phrase that describes those who um, were lame and crippled in the Middle East in the days of Jesus. And here was the phrase, an Eastern beggar often loses a good living by being cured. You see, when you had the mat, you could put out a bucket and... You made a good living, and you were comfortable. And what Jesus was saying, listen, if I come and I change your life, it's going to be a change, because now you're going to have to get out of your comfort and go to work and make a living. So you're not going to be able to stay comfortable where you are if I change you. There's going to be some things that come that are going to cause you to change. And really what Jesus is simply saying is this, is that when it comes to change, guys, that's your cue, and I can't find it, so there you go. Before you can change, you must decide that you want to change. You know, several years ago, gosh, maybe 17, 18 years ago, I um, lost 40 pounds. And I've been trying not to find it for 18 years. <laughs> but every once in a while around the holidays, some of it finds me. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and you know what? The reason why I needed to lose 40 pounds was because I was comfortable. Let me tell you what was comfortable for me. Laying in bed at night, eating Baskins and Robins peanut butter chocolate ice cream come on anybody love ice cream I believe they're serving it in heaven right now I love to eat ice cream every night and it was comfortable come on some of you have your comfort food for some of you it's salty for some of you it's donuts But what I had to decide is I can either stay comfortable or I can step into a different future. And what I believe God is saying to us is, listen, I'm telling you to pick up your mat because I'm saying that sometimes when I want to do something in your life, the next has to be changed because you've done something in the now. He said, I'm not going to lay comfortable. Some of us are comfortable in our addiction. It's too hard to change. Some of us are comfortable in our loneliness because then we have to re-engage with people and family and relationship. It's comfortable to not serve in church because we've got our life now and we have our schedule. God says, if you want an encounter with me that's transformative, sometimes you have to deal with your comfort and say, I'm going to step into the uncomfort so that I can step into his purpose for me let me tell you another thing I think the mat is the mat also can represent excuses 
I'll show it to you in the story. Because here's what happens. He says, do you want to change? And then the man says, I can't. Because no one puts me in the water. How many people today are still laying in their mat because their life is filled with, I can't because. And I believe Jesus is stirring our heart to say, don't lay in, I can't anymore. Don't keep saying, I can't because. Pick up that excuse and say, I'm not going to lay back in that excuse anymore. I'm carrying this with me because I'm changing my mentality. I'm changing my focus. I'm daring to believe that Jesus is calling me to something greater. Show up with your mat. Show up with your story. Show up with your uncomfort. Show up with your willingness to say, I'm not going to walk in those excuses anymore. Then I'm going to give you the last one, and this one might throw some of you off, but I'm just going to give it to you anyway. If you don't like it, send me an email. I'll take another one. Just kidding. I don't get very many of those. Here's what I think the mat represents. <laughs> A fragrance. Now, some of you are going, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Have you ever sent your child to camp with a sleeping bag? <laughs> and seven days later, they come home. How many know it is unwise to wrap that sleeping bag up and put it in the closet? Because it has a fragrance. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you go camping and you come home and it has a fragrance. Smells like the outdoors. Smells like other things too. Imagine this man had been laying on that mat for 38 years. Let's throw on top of that that it was a culture where people didn't have running water, so they weren't able to bathe very often. Let's throw on top of that the fact that he was lame, he was paralyzed, which means the, those that were paralyzed probably had less baths than the normal person, which didn't have near enough of what we have today. Imagine that this mat had a fragrance. Smelled like sickness. Smelled like hopelessness. Smelled like depression. Well, Pastor, why would he want him to bring that with him? I, I started thinking about a story. You know, it's funny that all of us have a fragrance. I love cologne. Do we have anybody out there that loves cologne or... Okay, I have a sister-in-law who works for a fragrance company. And so she always hooks me up at Christmas with lots of cologne. And so when I put on cologne, I don't do the... I'm like... I mean, I love cologne. It's like I just put it all over. So it's kind of a joke in the office 
Becky, who works in our accounting, like I will walk through the front door and she's all the way around the back of the office and she'll go, Pastor Jared's here! Because <laughs> I have a fragrance. You know, when I thought of fragrance, it brought me to a, another story in the Bible I just want to touch on for a second. Jesus was in a home and there were people all around him. They were eating. He was reclining at the table and in came a woman just not any woman it was a prostitute something inside of her said i just got to show up to church cuz you know church is where jesus is i just got to get to church and when she gets there she came carrying this bottle this ointment and she broke it and she began to pour it on jesus feet and she began to wash his feet with her hair In fact, this little nugget that I'm giving you, my, my son's girlfriend, Leilani, was one of the only students at Hillsong as a first year. She was asked to speak to the entire student body. And she told this story. And in fact, I texted her and I said, can I steal your story? She said, go right ahead. It'd be my honor. She basically said that. She said, you realize that there was a lot of people that day that was sitting near Jesus, but they all walked away the same that they came in. But there was one that walked away that smelled like Jesus. I think he said, carry your mat. Because he wants us to run into people and people go, there's something about you that tells me you've been with Jesus. There's something about you that says, You've experienced, you, you know Jesus. And for her, here's what's really cool. It was her generosity. Because here's what she was doing. She was saying, I care about what Jesus cares about. You say, what do you mean? She just, she poured, she poured her, her ointment on the, uh, on the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said this, because remember the religious crowd, they're like, what are you doing? We could take that money and give it to the poor. And Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand. You see, she, she's pouring this oil because she's anointing my feet for burial. He knew he was going to die soon, and she was anointing him for burial. And he, then he went on to say, and everywhere the gospel is preached, her story will be told. I believe what that's saying is that she cared about Jesus and what mattered to Jesus. You see, when we're generous people, that's why we've been asking you to take that serve brochure and consider saying, I want to care about what Jesus cares about. I want to care about some churches in Africa that might need a roof. I want to care about some ministry in Haiti, kids that would never have heard about Jesus, but through my giving, my sharing, I can send someone that'll show up. I want to care about what Jesus, I want to pour out. I want to break this little vase of what I have that's valuable to me and I want to give generously to what Jesus cares about. And I'm going to tell you, for some reason, that generosity creates this fragrance in our lives. All that we would be people that people say, you must have been with Jesus. So what I want to do today is in a moment, I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider that card, that brochure. Can I see your brochure right there for just a second? 
on the back. There's all the names of the ministries that we're supporting. You know, our goal is to reach $200,000 in commitments. And right now, we're $15,000 away from hitting our minimum. Did you know that there's enough people in the service that if everyone did something, for some of you, it could be literally $5 a month. You could say, one Monday morning a month, I'm going to take my Frappuccino money and I'm going to give it to Jesus. I'm going to give it to missions. You could give $5 a month and that would be 55 or whatever, $60 a year you'd give to missions. For some of you, you could do $500 a month. For some of you could do $5,000 if you really wanted to. Do you realize just this one service alone, we could do it all together. And I'm going to tell you, as a church, I want people to walk away from this place smelling the fragrance of Jesus. I want you to close your eyes today.